Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And we've launched our 2021 season, and it's just been such a great start to the first week of January. And I am so delighted today to have Mujan Asgari on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing entrepreneur. She is born and raised in Iran, and she likes to coin the phrase that she's a multi-potentialite. She's curious. She's passionate. She truly has the grit and tenacity to be a young entrepreneur. She's inspired by the power of the human mind, and she loves the openness and potential of technology when it comes together to transform the quality of our lives. She is the co-founder of the Women in AI, AI being artificial intelligence, and she's also started a new platform called Thousand Eyes on Me. So Mujan, welcome to Imperfect. Hello, Deb. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, I have lots of questions for you, so I'm going to jump right in with my first leadership question. You have been born and raised in Iran. What I would like for you to share with the listeners is what was it like growing up in Iran and what did you learn the most that you feel contributes to your heart-centered leadership? Oh, that's actually a great question. And I was thinking about it actually last night um, when I was writing my gratitude journal that you have taught me. I was thinking, what am I really grateful about? And what is really, you know, my difference um, with, you know, other people? And I was thinking that growing up in Iran, especially um, being a woman, um, I actually come from a family that we were we were okay. We were not very very wealthy, but we were we were fine. My parents did a lot for us. They sacrificed a lot. They tried and did really you know put us in all the best schools. They paid all for our education. And really, really education for them was important. So I grew up in a family that I felt really care and um, love since I was a child. And growing up in that, you know, atmosphere, I was thinking everything is possible, right? I wasn't seeing in my family, there is any, anything, you know, is stopping me, but the society is not that way. So actually the first time I really felt that, oh, um, maybe because of my genders, there are some stuff I cannot do was when I decided to wear um, as a Zorro, <laughs> you know, the superhero, going to a um, birthday party of one of my cousins and suddenly all the eyes were 
oh my god you're a girl why you cut your hair that short why are you doing acting like boys you know maybe you can be a princess <laughs> and i was thinking oh well, well i didn't even think about that i thought this is like helping people he's brave he's a rebel he actually you know has you know a lot of followers to help him to to become who he, he is also and that's what i liked about him um slowly growing up when i wanted to go to school to university we have this huge um uh, university exam that we spend all our year like the full year studying so hard and then um you know trying to get into the university and um when i wanted to decide what i want to do i looked around so my mom was one of the like most important people i can know you know uh, having really high posts in the society and she you know She's like leading a huge academy, the literature, Persian Literature Academy in Iran, which is a very important um, organization. My, my aunt is also leading in one of the in mechanical and civil engineering organizations in Iran. I was saying, oh my God, so let's, let's try um, mechanical engineering. And then I figure out, oh, women cannot apply. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I decided to choose industrial engineering and that's what I did. And then growing up, you know, um, trying to find a job, trying to, you know, navigate my life. And it was, there were barriers, there were barriers for me. And I think because of those existing barriers in the society, the way I was seen um, and my potential was seen, I needed to somehow create this rebelness in myself. I feel I've been always, you know, trying to fight for my rights and since I was a child also, especially my mom, because I was the first child in the whole family, she was very hard on me. So I think this all, you know, um, sort of pressures made me somebody who who feels she needs to be powerful and be able to find her way. And most of the time, sometimes it was alone, like trying to really fight for some stuff, but feeling also I'm, I'm on my own. That was how I was. I feel, and and not many, not many, you know, people um, can keep up with that pressure. And many of my friends, for example, in Iran, they they stopped, you know, their studies. They they married very young, and I I wasn't actually going to do that, and I I didn't see myself that way. So that's why I came to France and continued my studies. Well, it must have been a difficult decision to, to make the journey. And I'm actually gonna skip over uh, a question for a moment because uh, my third question was going to be uh, exactly that. You coin yourself a multi-potentialite. So I'm gonna make an assumption that your curiousness, your passion, your inquiry and decision to become an entrepreneur came because of your journey from Iran to Paris, France. I like to call them fall forwards. Tell us what that journey was like and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, leaving Iran and landing in France to continue your education and then land up working and, and now being an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. Deb. So um, it is a podcast, right? I cannot share the image, but my first feeling when I like put uh, 
stepped in in France and and it was in 2012 so I was 22 years old I I showed it actually on my Facebook page it was this image that there are fences you see like you see through um, a landscape but through a fence and then when you go up the fences they start to break and they become birds so they fly and that was exactly how I felt when I when I came to France because I think from some from one side I was coming to maybe a really more open society and from the other side I was alone I needed to be on my own and I I really loved it to be on my own. I always wanted to be independent. I didn't like to, you know, ask for money from my parents. I really always wanted to be on my own. And I loved that challenge. And that was the feeling I had. Um, well, I was young. And, and at that time, I think that I just wanted to be a bit away. But later on, I appreciated the uh, closeness of the family and the importance of, you know, being around your family. But the journey for me was was very challenging. So at the beginning, it, the integration in a new culture, especially in Iran, we are very, very warm in terms of like um, interaction with people. We are very family oriented, very much, you know, caring about the group um, and, and this feeling of like welcoming uh, people, being re really open about sharing things um, I felt that it was a bit missing when I came to France I felt like the culture is more towards individualism and even like I was making friends and I had really close friends um, I wasn't really finding that that's really welcomeness welcomeness in in my relationship so that was the first thing I had and then really finding my way trying to cope with the new language learning um, integrating the society. So I started to join a lot of associations, a lot of movements and, um, and tried, you know, to also find some jobs to, to be able to pay for my tuition fee. So it was very challenging. Um, but I, I don't regret it. I think that that was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. It changed everything, everything for me. It made me to grow. It made me um, be independent, become woman. When before, I think I was a girl, I was a child. And then suddenly, that sort of responsibility that I needed to take care of myself, it was something that I think really shaped me afterwards. Well, I think for anyone listening who's young or even contemplating or considering moving from one country to another, from what I'm hearing from you is sometimes we have to take that step out of our comfort zone to grow and it is a scary place and that's the foundation to which the psychological term grit and the action verb of of tenacity are born so congratulations it's it's not easy making that transition but doing it not knowing fully what the outcome is going to be that's the excitement that I think entrepreneurs share amongst ourselves is we can have that strong vision, but until we ground ourselves and get disciplined and put some structure in place, we really just wallow and kind of, you know, it's like a dog chasing their tail. 
but you you've rooted in and, and kept your vision and it's exciting. And I think it's impactful for other young entrepreneurs to hear. So I'm going to pop back to my second question that I give all my guests. What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? <laughs> That's a great question, Deb. Um, well, I, I first, I really don't consider myself perfect, but I've learned you don't have to be perfect. So all of us have our own imperfections. I think mine is, um, well, I'm, to be honest, I'm very open to people and I, I just, you know, love to, um, I, I love people. I love to trust in people and I'm, you know, I open my heart when I start a project, when I start working with people, for me, what is really, really the something that makes me really love that project and work on it is loving the people first. That's very important. And all my projects that I started, especially those that are really community oriented, they were all because I love the people I work with, I trusted them. And that's really um, relationship was the foundation of whatever we built before and that's that's I think you know um sometimes being too open it can you know hurt you so along the way I learned that where to adjust and where to you know and be able to um to put boundaries and that's something I I continue working on um but I think you know we all need to be sometimes open, open about our, you know, things that we don't know. So for example, I, I know that there are a lot of things that I, I don't know. And I just say it, I say to my team that I really don't know how to do this. And, and I really share my feelings. Like whenever we have meetings, weekly meetings, I, I want to, I want each of us share how they feel about that week, if they are stressed, if they are, you know, happy or sad or something, because in that way, we, we understand um, how each of us feel and we can work better together. So just being open and exposing myself to what I don't know, how I feel and asking for help. That was one thing I was not really comfortable before, especially you, you learn now about my childhood. I needed to always feel that powerful um, girl, you know, to not, you know, to, to protect herself, to not defeat. And, and slowly I, I was feeling, oh, I'm not asking for help. Maybe that makes, means that I'm vulnerable or I'm weak, but that's not the case. Now I know that everybody needs help and we have to ask and I think that's, that's what I, what I do, what I try to do. Well, you know, I'm going to stand on my soapbox here and talk about heart-centered leadership and the qualities. And I put out a great list this week that a lot of people are loving and you have to be that servant leader. You cannot gain trust or be trustworthy unless you can be that empathetic, compassionate leader and strive to mentor, but to be mentored. Like you said, we rise by helping each other, which leads me nicely into my last leadership question for you. I know your passion for gender equality is large. I know your passion 
and what you see the impact that artificial intelligence has on our daily lives. And I know that was your grit, your passion, your vision, and your love to create the largest community of female professionals and experts within women in AI. So my question is, share the vision on this initiative and what you have done to date and what you still want to do to aim in closing the gender gap within the AI field. Yeah, sure. That. So the reason actually we created, we started Women AI with my co-founders was first started from our own curiosity, right? We wanted to be part of the future. We as women, we wanted to build our future because AI is going into all industries. It's impacting every level of our lives. You see it from healthcare, finance, your insurance, your privacy, everywhere. And unfortunately, in this domain, we have um, 80% um, male dominance in the field. So we don't have that much diversity. Gender diversity is one of the biggest ones. And if you are not part of that creating of those products, we are not going to get the benefits out of it. So that's just started with that simple thing. We are curious. We want to be part of it. And that the vision expanded more that we want actually everybody gets benefit, everybody be part of it. And we want to close this gender, gender gap. And it started with activities that we, we did uh, with education, especially educating the young generation, because the change takes some time and we need the younger generation to be onboarded to come and you know follow the the path going into the field becoming experts and role models so we can eventually close the leadership gap um, but actually how it started was basically out of uh, again my my curiosity to participate at an event I organized a hackathon with a friend of mine and that was really the first time I was exposed to AI and I learned the big potentials and opportunities that this technology brings to us and and I just looked around and I, I saw we were only four people out of 100 and that's literally four percent and that's where I thought okay well maybe there's something to change here and later on uh, I continued I went to different meetups different um, um, we call them machine learning meetups and, and workshops. And it kept uh, continuing like that. All, all the meetups were full of guys and there were not many women. So then we decided to create this safe environment for girls, for women to learn and grow together. And that's how it started with a simple for a Facebook page. And then literally uh, more people came and um, they suggested that why not, you know, organizing more official events, why not having a website? And it just grew like that. Today, we're over 6,000 members across 130 countries. We run fully on voluntary basis with ambassadors around the world. And uh, we educate young girls, we educate corporations on the importance of diversity. We just organized uh, last year in September, our biggest uh, summit, which was called Women in AI Global Summit, with over 4,000 attendees and 85% of the speakers were women. 
So um, it just, you know, it, it just went on and on because we were all passionate about it. And that's, I think, what we need. We need to have women and more diverse, diverse groups to join these movements. So we're not going to just talk about again. I, I, at some point, I wish actually the name of our organization will not be women in AI. It's like people in AI, humans in AI, because we don't, we shouldn't keep talking about gender problems. I would like us someday we tackle other issues and this gender issue is solved. Well, you are spearheading the, the foundation of that transition, just doing what you've done to date, having the vision, creating it, bringing global people together with what you've already started doing. So it's just, it's a labor of love and it's a vision you've executed with a great team and it'll be interesting to see where you take this. I'm gonna switch gears now and I'm gonna ask you what I call my fab four. Just fun questions. We wanna know what's on the top of Mujan's mind. So first question, tell us something we don't know about you. <laughs> something you don't know about me. Mm -hmm. Let me think. Um... All right. So something that you don't know about me is actually um, I love uh, crypto trading. And that's something that, you know, I, I started and I, I got, you know, um, I, I won a hackathon and I got some cryptocurrency as a as a win, as the prize. And I started slowly to learn about how to trade Bitcoin on my own. And it is a very exciting field. Um, I think I'm kind of getting obsessed with it, <laughs> but I haven't told anybody about it um, because I just found it's it's like a game. <laughs> but it's fun because you love technology, you love a challenge, you love AI, and with a gaming interface, it's it's one of the poles of AI that kind of sucks us in from a psychological and cognitive and emotional <laughs> level. So that's fun. We'll have to have more conversation on that. Yeah. My second question is, who is a leader in the world? And this can be someone who's living or someone who's passed away that really has inspired you and why? Um, I would say for sure, Oprah. Oprah because um, she has a wonderful journey. She, she went through a lot of hardship, a lot of um, difficulty, challenges in her life. And she never lost her confidence. She never lost that self-esteem in herself, regardless of her um, color skin, her, you know, her background. And, and she just, you know, kept, kept going, kept moving on and like moving forward. And um, I think that, you know, the, the fact that she's a philanthropist and she's, um, she has that school in Africa helping, you know, kids and women, women, um, black women to, to become better leaders, that I really relate to that stories. And I, I think that she's my hero. I would love to one day be able to contribute, you know, like her to the world. Well, and you've replicated in your own life, the grit, the tenacity, and more importantly, that learned and honed resilience. 
and I think she's a great mentor and leader. So I have to agree with you. My third question is, if you had to sit down with the 16-year-old Mujen, what advice would you give her? Oh, 16-year-old. Remember myself when I was 16. I had actually a very complicated relationship with my mom at that age. It was very, very hard. I remember actually times that I was kind of punished not going out, uh, speaking with my friends on the phone. I remember I was spending hours and hours like secretly on the phone with my friends. And and I remember even I was thinking of like uh, running away from home (laughs) because I was a rebel. So I think I would just tell her, listen, um, don't take it too hard on yourself and your mom. Things are going to get well between you two. Um, just, you know, take it easy. She loves you. She really loves you. And everything she does is, is for you. Also, I think I would tell myself to spend more time with my dad. Because I, I lost him. He, he passed away six years ago. And only after his, his death, I realized so many amazing, beautiful things about him that I didn't know. Because I think we didn't really spend that much time speaking like two people together. And I was, I I think it was because I was um, trying to close myself and um, isolate myself sometimes. And I would just tell myself, don't, don't um, take it, take it too hard on yourself. If people judge you, you, you've got talent, you've got so much potential and and don't give up that's what I think I would tell myself well I I love that for lots of reasons and I often see at the beginning of a new year I've seen lots of quotes and incentives and new year's resolutions about weight loss and my favorite one is the only weight we need to lose is the opinion of others so how full circle moment is that And I align with you about losing your dad at a young age. I I also lost my dad uh, when I was young. I was 21. And it, it leaves an impression and you engrave it on your heart. And each year you have more insight and wisdom that that brings you back to that day. So that's something very special that you you will hold on to. So that's lovely. Yeah. My last question Let's look ahead together five years to the year 2026. Where are you going to be living and what are you going to be doing? <laughs> well, um, before creating Thousand Eyes on Me, maybe I would say I want to be on Mars. <laughs> but um, I would be, I would like actually, because Thousand Eyes, Thousand Eyes on Me, my new initiative, it dates for two months now. Uh, it's basically to help women become better leaders, become, you know, self-confident and be able to speak up and, and, and be able to uh, achieve their dreams. That, that's what really I, I want to do myself, to reach my dreams. And I want everybody feels that they can do that. So I would like that, you know, my initiative will be um, much bigger. I would love to be able to have helped by then thousands of thousands of women to achieve their dreams 
Um, I would like to still have, you know, projects to go to the space. <laughs> so, so would love to see the path to, I don't want to go to, to, you know, Mars and not come back because I love the planet Earth too much. But, you know, with all this climate change and all the issues we have, we don't have much time. We have something like 10 years, 12 years to reverse the climate effect. So, um I would like to see that the whole world has really joined forces to 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 work on that and I want to be part of it. I want to be able to to contribute to that and be able to um save more save more um animals that we are seeing every day disappearing, save more forests and 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 like simply being happy, have a world without without wars, without, you know, um, violence, seeing, you know, democracy everywhere. Um, maybe it's too short, five years, but, you know, having a more peaceful world. That's what I wish. Well, I love that. And it just, it, it makes me kind of reflect and smile to hear a younger woman have that depth of thought and and wonder and passion for our planet so i am i am grateful that you spent a little bit of time with me today and and shared your heart and your expertise and i want to wish you all the best in the future and just keep chasing those dreams and and having that vision because you are our future thank you so much deb i'm so thankful for this conversation and uh, actually every conversation we've had so far together so thank you so much for this time and opportunity and I wish you all the best also for 2021 and beyond I found it fitting that I end our conversation today with a great quote from Amit Ray and his quote is future artificial intelligence is more about human emotions, compassion, values, and elimination of human suffering. This is Deb Crow. Thank you once again for joining me on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. <music>